They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Wow, 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 Elliot. Here we are. Another week, another uh, another week, another Waller, you know? It's like day and dollar. <laughs> change, the, change the D to a W. Yes, you certainly did. All right, anywho. <laughs> Big movie news this week. Obviously, the Oscar nominations uh, came out. So, Elliot, what um, what were your thoughts? I called my father, and so I heard that you were kind of looking at them as they came in. But what was what was maybe a surprise for you? What was something you were happy about? Give us give us your feelings. Well, the biggest surprise, and it is not a happy one, I have to admit, is All Quiet on the Western Front for Best Music. I mean, dang, I really did not like the music in that movie. I, I mean, I think we talked about this when we reviewed it. I We both kind of found it very abrasive and intrusive. But I, clearly the, the good men and women of the Academy have seen something in it that I've failed to. Yeah, well, All Quiet getting so many technical nominations and uh, the Batman really getting very few I mean, I, I think the score was maybe disqualified because it had too much, like, interpolations of pre-existing music or something. But, like, Greg Frazier's cinematography is popping off, and he didn't get he didn't get anything for it. And All Quiet did, yeah. So that was I, – I do agree there were a few unpleasant surprises of people I don't like getting nominations. Yeah, well, uh, Avatar The Way of Water, that's an absolute travesty. <laughs> hey, at least Jimmy didn't get nominated for Best Director, which I was happy about. That's something. Like, I didn't yes. love Everything Everywhere, but I was, I'm pleasantly surprised that the directors got a Best Director nomination. Well, I, I mean, in terms of everything else, there, there's... I don't think there's any real big snubs. Um, yeah, I I I like to see all the love for Banshees of Inishirin. That would probably be my pick of this list, at least for best picture. Kate uh, uh, Blanchett obviously was fantastic in Tar. I think she would more than deserve best actress. I did think it was kind of surprising that Viola Davis didn't get nominated for The Woman King because I thought she was she was very good in that. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I I like the Oscars enough. Uh, it's a it's a neat little idea, but I don't I don't really care all that much. Like, I'm probably not going to watch the entire show if I watch any of it at all. I'll probably just watch clips of it on YouTube or something. 
I by no means think that the Oscars is like the last word in uh, what was and was not worthy of praise from the last year in movies. So, yeah, I I guess I didn't really have a whole lot of reaction, uh, pleasant or unpleasant. Yeah, I thought it was a fairly uh, milk. I could probably talk for longer about it because I'm I think I'm more into this sort of stuff than you are. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to see a lot of movies and artists that I that I think in previous years maybe would have gotten passed over getting stuff. Like, again, I don't love everything everywhere. I think it's neat that it's getting as much attention as it's getting. And I also think the Oscars have an absolute slam dunk in terms of, like, cultural and meaningful stories with between Brendan Fraser's comeback and Kehu Kwan's also comeback. Like they have, they've got an absolute slam dunk of a, you know, tweetable, meaningful, easy to understand story going through this whole award season. So I think that's neat. <laughs> good and good for all those old white men in the Academy. They'll have all that publicity. Yeah, no women nominated for best director. Yeah, I will. I will say I haven't seen women talking yet. Uh, I didn't like Women King as much as Elliot, although I am surprised it didn't get more technical stuff with like costume and production. By more, I mean any. Um, but I did see After Sun, and I definitely think After Sun deserve to get more. And I certainly think Charlotte Wells, the writer and director of that film, uh, probably deserved a nod. I'd say over Spielberg because I didn't like the Fablemans. So that's my opinion. <laughs> there's a token, there's a token nomination for you. No kidding. All right. Well, anyway, enough, enough about the Oscars. Let's get to the, what, what the people want. You know, what they've That's been right, and what the people want is an update on The Last of Us. I watched the second episode this week. Oh, still really good. Uh, still really, really excited for uh, every new episode, and I still, <laughs> still recommend it. And we also watched a movie. Yes, we did. Well, see, Jake, <laughs> one of the first complaints I got from Jake was that we'd spend too long getting to the film we've now spent six minutes blathering about before getting to the movie so let's get to it let's get to it elliot um i'm kind of interested to see why did you choose uh this movie you chose the movie for this week can i give an intro and then why do you choose this film what are you, are you gonna do the intro or not no i said you do an intro and tell us about the film <laughs> Well, then why did you say, did you say, can I get an intro or can I give an intro? I said, can I get an intro? Can you oh, intro it? Give. Man, all right, we're wasting time. Uh, so, yeah, this is a 1990 movie directed by John McTiernan, a very, very well-known director. He's done a lot of really well-known stuff like Die Hard and this movie and... Oh, gosh, what's it called? Predator. Yes. Well, yes, but I was thinking of some movie with another movie with Arnold. It's like the, the last action hero is apparently a big. Oh, movie. yeah. Yeah, it's based on a Tom Clancy book by the same name. I believe it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, 
No? You sure? Um, no, it was nominated for editing, sound, and sound effects. Oh, maybe I just saw Oscar nominated and assumed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a Cold War thriller. It's a submarine movie, which is apparently like a legitimate, honest-to-goodness genre from this time period about a Russian submarine captain who has sort of... He hasn't commandeered, but he's taking an experimental new Russian submarine to America to try to, to, try to defect to the United States. And the Soviet Union obviously would like that not to happen. So they're trying to destroy him and they're trying to convince the Americans that he's just gone crazy and is trying to attack America with his nukes because obviously this is a, a nuclear submarine. And so, yeah, uh, and, there, and then the the man who's right, uh, you know, the type is Jack Ryan, played by Alec Baldwin, who has figured out that uh, the captain wants to defect and is trying to trying to figure out how to help him along. Yeah, and so this is our father's, like, favorite or maybe second favorite movie. So it was a it was a mainstay of our childhood. We've watched this movie more than a few times. And I always liked it, um, but I don't think I ever really appreciated it until I started watching it uh, as, a, as an old man like I am now. And it had just been a while since I had seen it. Uh... And I really wanted to watch it with with my my new eyes to see if it holds up because it's been a while. Sure. Yeah, I figured that was going to be sort of the reason. But yeah, this was probably one of the weirder movies that was a touchstone of our childhoods. I feel like there's probably not a huge number of other children who grew up watching a Cold War thriller uh, John McTiernan, like you said, is a bit of a, he makes movies for dads, for sure. Die Hard, Predator, Last Action Hero. Um, and this movie is perfect for our dad, who is a, <laughs> a nerd and loves political science. And is uh, something of an expert in the field of Soviet-era Russian-American politics. Yes, he loves the Cold War. I I did ask him if he wanted to come on to the podcast and discuss this film, and he said he didn't think he'd be articulate enough to talk about it with us. I agree. So we talk very goodly. <laughs> we do. We do. We be we be welly talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a movie I've seen a ton. I could probably quote large chunks of this while I watched. I honestly did not pay a ton of attention as I watched it this time because, like, like every scene, I was like, I know exactly what happens here. This is such a cute little scene. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Like you said, you're watching with new eyes. Uh, Elliot, what do you think? Opening thoughts on the film? I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was, it's really funny, it's really well crafted. Um, Things that I noticed that I don't think I had noticed before, uh, definitely the music. I really, really liked the music in this. Um, I love a good Russian chant, uh, Russian opera. The language is very, very musical, I think. <clears throat> um, and also, like, this is, this this script definitely hues very 
deliberately to Chekhov's gun. Like everything is set mm-hmm. up and then executed later on from the one Russian captain played by an incredibly young Stellan Skarsgård to the saboteur to uh, even just literally the gun that uh, the captain gives Ryan when they're boarding the the Red October. And yeah, I I have to say, we can get into more details later, but throughout this whole movie, throughout most of the movie, I was, you know, I was vibing. I was, I was, I was feeling good. I was enjoying it. Uh, I think I'm using that word correctly, vibing. Um, <laughs> just yeah. trying to be cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I had a nice blanket on. I was, I was chilling with Shadow. There's no, there's some more slang for you, for you kids, you youngins. Um, Dad was watching. Dad did watch most of the movie with me, and so did Mom. And they were both, uh, they were both laughing at everything. It's a very funny movie. And I was like, "Yeah, this is this is good. Thumbs up." And then this movie's third act is just sublime. Like I was all in. I was on the edge of my seat. I was thrilled. I, the submarine fight was fantastic. The culmination of the saboteur stuff story was great and the interaction between Jack Ryan and uh Ramius the captain the Russian captain was amazing man i i was th- this movie turned up in the climax uh, yeah i definitely agree i think the climax is where all of the elements that are good about this movie really come to a head and i just i feel very similarly to you that i i think this movie is incredibly funny incredibly well written i think the acting is really phenomenal um the special effects are really amazing which i'm sure we'll go sort of more into as we go through it but i think the one thing i really wanted to highlight here at the beginning is how while the movie from my understanding tom clancy novels are very dense and very uh use a lot of big words and are very technical and like he spends a long time they're jargon heavy yes they're jargon heavy and so tom clancy obviously wrote the jack ryan novels of which there's been a couple of adaptations and we've seen um a few of them i think but i think the most impressive thing about this especially watching it now as an adult is how much of the movie i understood as a kid that like even as a child, even if I didn't fully grasp like the Cold War and stuff like that, I still was able to understand like, oh, this is not as simple as just like good guys and bad guys. It's more like they're playing a game of cat and mouse. They're playing a game of, you know, chess more than they're playing like an actual battle. And so I think that really impressed me watching this is that there wasn't a ton of stuff thematically or like narratively that I just that completely flew over my head that I was like I have no idea why anyone's doing anything that I feel like I grasped a reasonable amount of it as a child which I think is a testament to the movie dumbing down what I'd imagine was a very jargon heavy and difficult to read book uh uh, wow I I had the exact opposite reaction because I was thinking man I picked up on none of this when I was a kid, none of the political intrigue or anything. Honestly, I was just waiting for uh, the, the big climax with all the explosions and stuff and the, the gunfire as a child. <laughs> but I, I was I a do, lot dumber child than me. <laughs> I was. I was a very silly child. But I, I, I take your point. And it's, it's not like... 
it's not a very dense movie, I don't think. Uh, it's it's definitely, I mean, there's not much to speak of in the way of deeper, like, conceptual themes uh, or anything like that. Or even really impressive, like, innovative technical achievements or anything. It just, it's just a movie that set out sets out to entertain and it executes everything that it tries to do well. Uh well to exceptionally so yeah i think that uh, i think it's really good <laughs> all right well let's get into some more of the nitty-gritty i uh mentioned it kind of in my first thing but i really like the actors in this especially this time i think i really like alec baldwin in this i feel like usually he's playing a very pompous knowledgeable sort of know-it-all almost character like he plays very characters that are very narcissistic and i think he's kind of cultivated that uh personality through like 30 rock and his brief role in glenn gary glenn ross but i thought he did really fantastic as sort of a fish out of water of jack ryan that he's knowledgeable about some stuff but as soon as he's like having to fly to carriers and be airdropped onto submarines. I think he does a really good job of, he looks very flustered and out of his element, which he is as a CIA analyst. He's not used to having to go out and do these things. So I thought, I thought I was really impressed with Alec Baldwin this time watching it. And then everyone else, I, Sean Connery is great. He does not give a fart about doing a Russian accent. He is clearly <laughs> not trying at all, <laughs> which I, I respect the heck out of it. Um, Sam Neill, I have always loved in this movie. Um, who else is in it? I can't remember the name of the guy, but the captain of the Dallas, he's a decent, Glenn. he's in job. Hmm? Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. I love Scott Glenn. I like him in this quite a bit. And then obviously, you know, James Earl Jones is just incredibly cool. But yeah, I love the whole cast. I think everyone does a really good job. Uh, I agree. I think that the this movie really needs to have good acting because of it's a really dialogue intensive movie. There's not a whole lot in the way of action. Uh, at least, you know, like fighting or anything like that um it does have a few set piece sort of moments that are really well crafted and uh, are really exciting but for the most part the tension comes from people trying to explain what is unfolding in a way what is unfolding in a way that could not be portrayed on screen you know uh you Ooh. can't actually show the russians dropping hundreds and hundreds of sonar beacons into the sea. You can't really show the implications or the consequences of that, of them trying to drive Red October into the other uh, attack submarines. So the way the movie communicates tension is through dialogue, and I think it is a testament to the characters, uh, the performance, I mean, the performances and the writing, that it still comes off as a, a, a tense dance with death. Um and yeah, I love Sean Connery. Uh, just to sort of springboard off of performances, because I don't have a whole lot to add to anything that you said, I was surprised this time around at how much I enjoyed the characters. 
None of them were particularly, mm-hmm. none of them had particularly complex or interesting arcs. I mean, Jack Ryan definitely had a kind of typical hero's journey from desk jockey to more assertive, uh, action-taking leading man, at least uh, on the Red October. But yeah, I did like that. I thought that was well done. More to the point, I really liked Ramius. I thought that he was really cool and collected um, when he's with the crew. I thought I he was charismatic and smart. And I really liked the quieter moments when he's talking with his officers or more specifically with his first mate, uh, Sam Neill. And you get just little implications, just little hints about the kind of man that he is and why he's ultimately trying to do this. Um, you know, he's, when the one officer is asking him, when he tells them, his officers, that he's announced his decision to defect, uh, and he says, <laughs> give us one chance and three, which is a great line. One chance um, and three. <laughs> three. And then the one officer is asking him why he did this, and he just says... We each have our own reasons. Mine began the day I was handed the blueprints to this submarine. I think that that those are there. There are a lot of little moments like that that built him up as a character without, you know, without overdoing it while still maintaining an air of mystique and kind of removal to the character that really works for me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's a lot of. Yeah, there's a lot of moments like that because there's stuff where he talks about his wife and I don't think there's ever a scene where it's really explicitly shown like, oh, he's leaving because he's like you know, maybe pissed at the Soviets for making him do stuff and not be with his wife. Or maybe he feels guilty that he put more time into his military career than into his family and something. And so I love the final scene with uh, Ramius and Ryan when they're going up the river and they're both talking about kind of learning um, about how to fish from their grandfathers back, you know, uh, Ramius back in Lithuania, I think is where he said he was from. And then uh, Ryan right there uh, in that river. I thought it was a really cool character moment. And it it just really, uh, I've really enjoyed (laughs) in recent years, I've been reading a lot of cold war sort of books and the thing that's only struck me is how much uh everyone is just people and how you know for the most part the soviets weren't a bunch of insane communists who were like i don't know evil or something and most of the americans weren't like as sean connery says some yahoo i think is what he says or buckaroo a buckaroo yeah there weren't all buckaroos. And I think that final conversation is really a cute moment of just, you know, it's just two people with very simple ideals and simple dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, everyone else, you know, there's a lot of other side characters who don't have a whole lot of development. Um, The first mate, Sam Neill, I really wish I could remember his character's name. He does have uh, some development and I was, I was Im- impacted when he died in this, uh, as opposed to other times. But also, you've got uh, Scott Glenn as the captain of the Dallas, who's this really—he's uh, he- just really cool. <laughs> he's uh, he's very calm. He's sort of like he's a very good counterpart to 
to Ramius. He's calm and collected and very smart and methodical. And then I love Jonesy. Uh, I love how enthusiastic he is about everything and his, I love how much he loves his work. Yeah. It's just, it all works. Everyone's, everyone's really distinct and recognizable. Uh, even the more minor characters like the, um, the first officer on the Dallas, uh, the, the guy who tells the, who tries to get Jonesy to tell the embarrassing story of, uh, what he did at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and Dr- James Earl Jones, although it helps that uh, he's being played by James Earl Jones. Yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's everyone's very distinct and well realized, even if they don't have a whole lot of depth to them. Mm. Yeah, one well, part of that is just you know we've watched this since we were kids. I mean, I surely one of the things we say most often is the yaw 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 yaw. Anytime I'm listening to someone tell a story, I, my brain goes almost to default to yah, 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 whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> anyway, let's talk, let's talk a little bit. You kind of mentioned it beforehand, and I think these kind of go hand in hand. But the special effects, and I think you were the person who told me this, of how the uh, – so I guess I'll let you do it so I don't say it and then – Everyone hears this. But how was the special effect of the submarines achieved, Elliot? Um, They're miniatures. Uh, The submarines are miniatures being held aloft on a grid of invisible wires that are attached at 12 points along the miniatures so they can can move them around, like, they can move them around the grid, but they can also tilt them uh, up and down or left and right to simulate, you know, turning. And the water effect is achieved by the, the it's dry ice smoke that's being that's having a blue light shown through it. And then there's some there's some digital touch-ups to add like little flakes in the water, and obviously to add a distortion effect around the the rotors on the back. But yeah, that's that's what the submarines are, and it, it is very cool. Really it nice. looks it's very convincing. Yeah, and this is one of those effects that I think even when you know how it's done, like the miniatures in Star Wars or the animatronics in Jurassic Park, even knowing, I think this was the first time I watched the movie, knowing how they filmed it with miniatures and smoke, I still, I mean, I could not, my my brain, there was never a point where my brain was like, oh, that's clearly a miniature or that's clearly, I mean, there were times where I was like, when it would show like a missile and I'm like, that's clearly CGI or very early CGI, but every shots of just the miniatures moving through space, I look really good. Hold up. It did. And on the, on the, on the, on the topic of that, I thought that the sound design in this movie was really effective. Uh, I don't know if when a torpedo has locked onto a submarine. You actually hear that pinging sound in the in the submarine. I'm not sure why you would. Um, it might be the sonar of the submarine bouncing off the torpedo. I don't know, but it's a really cool sounding sound, and the way that it ramps up in intensity and volume and frequency. I thought did a fantastic job of contributing to the tension of, again, 
action that is very difficult to effectively communicate visually. Like these are really big, cumbersome machines that are moving around very slowly and are basically just sort of being chased around by thin metal tubes. But the movie does manage to make it very, very exciting. And I think that the sound design and that constant, the constant reminder of the approaching threat with this sound is a big part of that. Yeah, one, the sound design too of just the shots of the miniatures suspended in space, the sound design, it creates a soundscape where you do think it's like it communicates water, it communicates that heft, that cumbersomeness of a submarine like you were talking about. And yeah, it's very, very good. That was their, they won best sound editing at the Oscars. And I think it's really, it's really obvious why when you watch the movie, for sure. So let's talk, you already talked a bit when you were gushing about how good it was. But uh, yeah, let's talk about that final, that final third act is a real, a real masterpiece. I think it's a real, it's really impressive. Because there's a fair, like you said, he sets up a fair number of Chekhov's guns in uh, Stellan Skarsgård's, um, I can't remember his name, but Tupolov. his submarine. Tupolov, Yes. Uh, him, the Dallas, Ramus's plan to scuttle the ship or fake scuttling the ship. And so you have a lot of moving pieces and they all come together into this finale. And like you've been talking about, it's hard to communicate it, but it does such a good job of being like, oh, and the saboteur, of course. And it's so fantastic watching all of the puzzle pieces come together. And like a lot of my favorite climaxes, it does a really good job of building tension from the first moment that Chupalov, Chupalov, that guy, from the first moment he shows up and shoots a missile to when they finally destroy his ship. It's constantly building tension with introducing new things and introducing new elements, like we've kind of talked about before with like Black Pearl and stuff, that it's a fantastic way of building tension and building excitement through an action scene. This, this scene is very exciting. <laughs> um, the, the, the scenes of Ryan trying to stop the saboteur from incinerating the ship uh, have some of the best lines. Uh, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. That's a great line. <laughs> I don't react well to bullets. Yeah, yeah like me. I don't react about the bullets. And yeah, uh, it's the culmination. Of, like you said, it's the culmination of so many things. It's the culmination of Jack Ryan's character arc from timid desk jockey to uh, <laughs> open shirt leading man. who's <laughs> drenched in water, of course. Uh, and yeah, I the submarine fight is just so cool. Uh, I love the... the <laughs> I love how Dallas um, gets in the way of the torpedo and then, I don't even know, breaches like a whale. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but it, but it it looks really cool. And I think it is it is archival footage of a submarine that actually did that. So it, it has to be possible. Whoa. And yeah, what? I just said, whoa, that's cool. I just yeah. said, whoa, but now I'm out that's cool. Well, apparently there's a lot of archival footage in this. Like the the 
the one ship that crashes on the aircraft carrier. That's archival footage of something that really happened. Uh, although nobody oh. died, so you're not actually, you know, watching anyone die, which is good. Oh, that's like what five examples? No, that's just two. But yeah, uh, two. Yeah, I, I, the the climax is just so cool, uh, and I really like how I really like seeing these different casts that you've watched and that you've you've rooted. You've been rooting for both of them because they're both very likable mm-hmm. and they both have understandable objectives and motivations. And so I just really like seeing them come together. And I love the way that Ramius interacts with Ryan and with uh, the captain of the Dallas. And I like how the, the American crew and the, they start working with the Russian crew. Once Tupolev shows up, it's just, it's just, it's just so much fun to see everyone coming together, not in the sense like the Kumbaya sense, but in the sense of, seeing these two groups of characters uh, interact. It's just, it's just really fun. Mm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we enough talking well about this movie. Let's get into, into some negatives, Elliot. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, my negatives are incredibly nitpicky. Uh, firstly, there's quite a few Dutch angles in this, which I don't appreciate. Sometimes it makes sense. Like he, tilts the camera when the submarine is turning, which I think is a decent way of being like, oh, the ship's, you know, not stable. But sometimes he just does a Dutch angle to do a Dutch angle, and that's just frustrating. And then also in that final scene of Ramius and Ryan talking, uh, it's very clearly, they used to do this a lot, uh, filmed during the daytime and then artificially made to be nighttime or just done on like a set with terrible looking light like nighttime is never that blue i don't know why anyone ever thought that blue communicated nighttime but it doesn't and it looks terrible and every movie that has it it annoys me but that's like literally that's literally like it i mean otherwise i like you said there's not a ton of depth to a lot of the characters but i don't think there needs to be i mean this is you know if you like die hard this is like die hard with submarines like legitimately well, it's not. It's kind of. What? No, the conceit of Die Hard is that one man trapped in a in a location against a team of terrorists. There's nothing like that in this movie. Well, at the end, though, with the saboteur, it's kind of like that. <laughs> he, 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 crawl, he, he crawls along a thingy just like in Die Hard. Okay, that's so. There's some very, very strained comparisons to be made between this movie and Die Hard. Um, yeah, I think that there there are parts where the slow burning nature of the movie does feel like it could pick it up a bit. Um, some of the performances, mainly on the Russian crew, I think were a bit on the stiffer side, um, especially the one guy, the like pseudo antagonist or the one who questions Ramius the most. I don't know what his name is or what his job on the ship is. Um, he's, he's, he's a little bit stiff. Uh, yeah. They, and Tim Curry, he plays the doctor and he, he, he gives a weirdly, I don't know, exaggerated performance that I, I don't quite understand what he's going for. Honestly, aside from that. Yeah. I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, not everything in this movie is 
masterful, but there's very few things that I can point to as being like below the level of good. I really like the the set design in these movies. Uh, I was reading the IMDb trivia for this. Um, I'm not going to address anyone. I'm not going to address anyone, any anonymous Thank user. The Lord. <laughs> but there was a lot of dedication to realism. Um, the, uh, the, the submarines, they're all, well, I guess I can't really say set design because these are all real submarines. Um, mm. Although the, obviously they didn't have any Russian submarines to film on, but they, they, they shot on a certain class of United States submarine. Uh, I don't really know. And the, the destroyer that comes in at the very end uh, is a real ship as well. And yeah, the, the dedication to realism really shines through in the, the jargon because there is jargon in this movie. People talking in very technical terms on how a submarine operates uh and those are touches that i really appreciate but also touches just like in the costume design like the design of the outfits for the russians and the americans and the protocol of how to get how to get somebody from an aircraft carrier to a submarine in the middle of the ocean that just go a really long way to immersing you in a story that is that is a fairly realistic story i mean there is no such thing as a caterpillar drive but it is, I think, I think it's like technically feasible. Nobody's ever made one, but it, the idea is sound. Um, apparently, some some of the congressmen, U.S. congressmen, after watching this movie, called the CIA to demand to know why they didn't have, why they had never made one. So uh, if that doesn't inspire you with confidence in our leadership, I frankly, I don't know what will. But yeah, it is... <laughs> I really respect the degree to which this movie is constructed a very realistic atmosphere uh, and a realistic um, language, lexicon, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, honestly, when you were talking, I mean, the jargon is jargony enough to let you know that these people are for real, but the jargon isn't like getting in the way of you understanding the story. It's kind of similar to the jargon in Tar, which we saw this year, that everyone is talking about, like, conductors and music that no one on Earth cares about or knows about. But it doesn't matter that you don't know about them because it's commu- it's still communicating what it's trying to communicate, even though there's jargon inside it. It's very good. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't have any other... Um, thoughts so nope just uh just that the music is really good but uh i can't really speak to that i can't really uh you know articulate why it's good other than it just sounds really really cool (laughs) yeah all right well then let's jump to uh we'll give a rating i'll give a rating i uh really enjoy this movie it's a really great honestly i've kind of come up just talking uh about it with you really well made. I do think it's very similar to Die Hard in that it's just a really, really well made action movie with great performances and just a fun time all around. But for whatever reason, this was the movie our dad showed us instead of Die Hard. So, um, Well, this, uh, yeah. fun fact, this is John McTiernan's only PG movie. All of his other ones are either PG-13 or R. 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so it's a family flick. So if you're looking for a movie to watch with your children, <laughs> you can do that. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go eight point three, eight point three or eight point four. This really good movie, touchstone of my childhood. Uh, really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to what we've already said. Great performances, really great, distinct characters, uh, and a, a third act that is absolutely perfect. Um, this movie absolutely held up. I, I feel like I enjoyed it. Well, obviously I enjoyed it even more than I did as a child, but I enjoyed it even more than the few times that I watched after I started getting into movies. Um, so I'm giving it an A-. minus. All right, this is this is so great. The last couple of weeks, we've watched movies that we ended up not liking as much. This has been a great one. Well, Elliot, what, what's another great movie that's maybe in a similar vein to this film? Um, my recommendation is I'm going. I'm capitalizing on the Cold War thriller angle of this movie. Uh, my recommendation is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Um, that's the newest one. It's a remake of an older movie, but the one with Gary Oldman. Uh, this is your classic spy thriller, uh, very espionage heavy, lots of um, subterfuge and people in button-up white shirts and slacks in rooms pouring over files trying to figure out how to get one up on the darn Ruskies. But it makes it very exciting and very tense. Uh, it's very complex, very layered. Honestly, I'm I'm not giving you like a plot rundown because it has a very intricate plot that I would struggle to summarize briefly. But the gist is that Gary Oldman plays a spy who's brought out of retirement to try to find a mole in the British Secret Service. Um, and yeah, it's it's a slow burn, just like Hunt for Red October, but it's very well put together it's a real pleasure to see all the pieces all the disparate pieces be brought together and form a coherent whole and yeah i i would strongly recommend it if you're still looking for for a, a spy thriller uh to scratch your spy thriller itch especially one that's uh more cerebral and more uh i guess deliberate than hunt for Red october which still does have the you know the more spectacle action moments hmm. yeah i have i haven't seen that but i i do want to see it. i do like gary oldman quite a bit and this is an interesting week because uh my recommendation is something elliot hasn't seen i'm going more the submarine route and my recommendation is das boot which translates to the boat in English. It's a German film. Came out in the early 80s, I want to say. So before this movie. And it's about a, a Nazi submarine and them trying to kind of go about their mission. And it's a really interesting, more realistic look at what life was sort of like on a submarine. So it's very stressful. They're just constantly... Uh, under an incredible amount of duress, everyone's sweaty all the time. I think there's a section where everyone gets some disgusting illness, and so everyone, like, looks awful. They feel terrible. They run out of food. It is not a fun movie. 
Um, but it's just a really interesting look at uh, a fairly realistic depiction of what it was like to be in a submarine during World War II. And there's a lot of sections that are incredibly tense, like uh, some of the sections in Hunt for Red October. And yeah, it's just a really interesting, really cool movie, really well made. Yeah, so I'd recommend it if you want more submarine stuff. Yeah, apparently the U.S. Navy set up recruiting booths in theaters where this movie was showing, hoping for a Top Gun-like boost to recruitments uh, from the film. And I was just thinking, yeah, there's there's no way that turned up much because it is it is the life of a submarine uh, sailor. It's not glamorous. Do you remember the one... I can't remember where it was, but we went on an actual submarine to take a tour mm-hmm. uh, at some museum. And the guide, pretty much all he talked about was just how much it sucked to live on a submarine. <laughs> like, it's so it's so crowded, and there's, there's zero privacy, and it smells terrible, and the food is awful. And, yeah, it's just <laughs> miserable. I bet that yeah. everyone well, who's ever worked on a submarine at some point stopped and thought to themselves, man, life is really hard and full of disappointments. One of those disappointments being my presence on this <laughs> ship, on this thing. Yeah, well, and I, I'm, no one's ever going to say, I feel a need a need for careful plotting and safety <laughs> measures <laughs> underwater. Yeah. Not, there's not nothing flashy about... It's not nearly as testosterone-fueled or adrenaline-pumping. Yes, yeah. It's for a different type of person, for sure. But yeah, so um, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for uh, checking in. Um, we're, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. We might do an Oscars episode, or we might not, because, yeah, watching the Oscars is just awful. It's so long. It's not funny most of the time. And there's a very low chance. There's only a low chance that someone's going to get slapped again this year. So what's even the point? (laughs) But uh, in the meantime, we hope you have a great week and um, see you next week.